do it. All right. Hey, welcome to the Wanna Hang Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Rick. Today's guest works with Zero Platoon. He's won an Emmy for Outstanding Interactive Programming and is in the process of releasing his memoir. And today we're asking Mike, you want to hang? Hell yeah. That's why I'm here. That's why I drove four hours. I know, dude. Three that's, and a half. It's fucking crazy. I can't believe you were actually going to drive that. Well, you did drive that. But I thought we were all going to meet up in New York one day. But instead you came to lovely Linthicum, Maryland. Yeah. No, I, I, I actually liked that drive. I was telling Rick earlier while we were waiting for you that... Uh, <laughs> That I, I was late. I was very late. I'm sorry. Um, that I, I did that. I've probably done that drive like 10, at least 10 times in the last two years. Cause I was working with that band in oh, Virginia. I oh, had like yeah, two shoots in DC. Um, you're all right, bud. Are you sure? You're so worried about, I don't know. Okay. Rick's over here yeah, worried sorry, about guys. levels. No, yeah. it's all right. Just blast the game on the, on three. That's why you need headphones, man. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Wow. What the fuck is up with that? Okay, whatever. It was working out. Yeah? Yeah. Who knew? Um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't mind that drive. There's almost never cops on it. And so when you get that free up upgrade, <laughs> you get that free upgrade to the Mustang, it actually. Yeah, dude. That's, it. Did you rip it in the Mustang? Did you like? I think I got up to about 92, yeah. which isn't really like, doesn't feel much different than 80. How many burnouts did you do? <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I would love to do a burnout in the Mustang. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you used to... Rick used to be into fast cars and stuff. Oh, like yeah? That. Is that your motorcycle I, out there? It is. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Um, I've only almost killed myself on that one time. Yeah, didn't you drive in the woods or something like that? Not intentionally, but yes. Yeah, I didn't think you did it intentionally. <laughs> so I was going around a turn. Mind you, I had no front brakes. I pulled the thing into the living room over the winter to like get it ready for the spring. Couldn't get the front brake to bleed properly. So I'm going around a turn a little bit too fast. I overcompensate with my back brake, which is the only brake I have, which the, sends the bike into a skid. I skid across a lane of oncoming traffic through a turn and then into the woods. But it wasn't just woods. The woods were like five feet below the road. Eesh. Yeah. Just trees whipping by me. I was like, man. Could have died, could have died, could have, but I didn't. So, what? And then <laughs> I, um, well, no, because that happens. Luckily, two guys were just driving by because it was a nice day. And they were like, Oh, this was during the day. Yeah. So you look like a dumbass because it's light out. And exactly. Bike. People yeah. saw me. But luckily, they did because I needed the assistance of these two guys <laughs> to like get my bike out of this mud pit that it was in. So I get the bike out, I ride it back home, I hose it off, and then I had a concert to go to in the city. So I just hopped back on it and. On my way, I went. With no brakes? I front? had a back brake. That's all you really yeah. need. Mm, huh? Seems like you needed the yeah. other one. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I lived in Texas, I had a, um, like an imitation Vespa. It's like, like there are these Chinese scooters that yeah. look like, and, and they're so cheap too. And I got it on Craigslist for like, I don't know, like 600 bucks or something. Um, it was pink. <laughs> um, have I shown you this no, picture? There's there, there's it. a pretty badass picture on my Facebook of me standing <laughs> next to my pink Vespa. Um, I've got a bandana on and a sleeveless shirt, and I'm just like look like a tough biker next to my pink Vespa. Is this in? You lived in Corpus? Yeah, right? in Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, and so when I bought it, um, I went and checked it out, and I like these ladies selling it were like in a lived in a cul-de-sac. And so I like 
wrote it around the cul-de-sac. I was like, all right, cool. I can handle this. Here's the money. And then I like get on it to take off and go back home. And I just did not like get the, get enough feel for it in the cul-de-sac. Oh, and I like no. zoomed across this like four lane main street and didn't know I was going to go that fast. So I didn't turn fast enough. And I just drove straight into the curb on across the street and the front tire hit the curb. I didn't fly over the handlebars, but I like flew off the bike and like immediately cracked the like fender of it. And I like already paid for it, but I was like, I'm okay. I like definitely got up and went, I'm okay. <laughs> and I like got back on it and then just like barely like real slow <laughs> drove off in my pink fake Vespa. I don't think I've ever ridden a motorcycle. It's fun. You should. Well, I'm not going to ride yours. I like your, is yours a Honda? It's a Yamaha. Oh, okay. I like that like old like body style. Though. Yeah. 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 That's what I want to get. Something like that. He bought it off uh, Paul Levitt, which we oh, yeah? weird enough. Cool. Yeah. Good old Paulie. Yeah. That's he still hasn't home. seen it since I had it because I swapped out the handlebars and had lightened a couple of things, but yeah. one day. I don't know what that means, but all right. So... Normally, when we do this podcast, Rick writes a lot of notes, and I don't write anything, and he shares them with me every time. But this morning, when I was reading your book, because I didn't finish it because I'm an asshole, um, but I wrote a fuck ton of notes. I, your book is crazy, dude. Like, I didn't realize that your life... Like, when you went to write a book, did you think, hey, my life is super interesting? Or do you think, did you think, like, I have something to say or something to offer, like, the public? Well, yeah, I mean, it's... It's basically like a lot of it, well, so every other chapter takes place in this hotel room that I, I, I won this concert photography contest, um, which you've probably seen the, the picture I have of set your goals it's yeah. up on my wall. Um, I won this photography contest that Live Nation and Nikon put on where I got to stay in a hotel for three nights and no, three days and two nights. Um, I think that's right. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, three nights. Um, and so basically what happens in the book is like, I'm, I win this stay at a hotel and just, I was already living in New York. So I just like took a vacation from my apartment and went and locked myself in a hotel to write. Um, not really knowing what I was going to write and this whole book comes together and you read about how the book comes together um, but I just like locked myself up, took a bunch of Adderall and Xanax um, and Scotch and Xanax and Ambien. <laughs> Not at the same time. I remember the one really. chapter that just said Adderall, Xanax, Scotch. Yeah. Like it was always <laughs> yeah. put in there. Um, no, I def, I, I'm pretty sure I, I mark whenever I take another <clears throat> Adderall or Xanax <laughs> or Ambien. But yeah, so I, I, my goal was to just take Adderall and write for three days, but it was at this point in my life where I was really depressed and, um, like I have major depressive disorder and I have anxiety disorder. Um, and so, you know, at this point in my life, it was a lot worse than it is now because I've been like kind of taking better care of myself now. But back then, I mean, I started writing this in like 2011. Um, it was right well, when did we meet? Probably 2013? Yeah, it was like 2013. Because okay. it was when I... this I started writing this when I was interning in New York. But then I went back to Texas for six months. Okay. And then got a job in New York, so I moved back. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really like set out to write this book. I, I did set out to write all weekend and that was the goal. And I, um, didn't have the most like healthy plan to do it, but, uh, that's basically what the book covers is just this weekend in a hotel room where I'm taking Adderall to write. But then when it gets too like jittery from the Adderall, mm. like take a Xanax to kind of come down from it. And then after I'm up for like 30 hours, I decide it's probably a good idea to sleep. So I, I'll take an Ambien to like go to sleep. Um, it's just a bender, man. Yeah, it's just exactly what it is. It's yeah. a bender. Um, but then every other chapter is like a flashback to kind of my dating life in New York because I grew up 2,000 miles away from New York and always got, you know, my idea of New York came from the songs about New York and the movies about New York and books about New York. And so I had this romantic idea about it. And knowing that I wanted to work in like the entertainment industry, I knew I had to go there um, or LA. And being in New York and having like a cool job and a cool apartment, I felt like my life was almost complete and I just needed to meet the girl. Um, and that was the only missing piece. And that's what this book is about too, is like all the times that I thought I met the girl and it didn't turn out to be. Um, and so I just kept feeling like my life wasn't complete, which just made me more depressed and made me take more drugs and drink yeah. more. Um, I love how you labeled it too. It was like the girl and then this song yeah. that relates to it. It was so, so fucking crazy. Also, girls are sneaky. <laughs> where, where was that from? <laughs> you just holding up some pent up anger? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. You gotta watch uh, okay. out. Guys can be sneaky too, bro. Not 2020. Saying, not saying they can't, but Mike was looking for a chick, not a dude. <laughs> but yeah, man. It, it, this morning got me really sad. I was in an emotional mood this morning, so maybe that's why. <laughs> but reading those Dangerous Summer lyrics that I like always sang growing up, but never really put like um, like a real emotion to, to. And then like reading your book and like the stories and then reading the lyrics, I was like, fuck, like this is heavy. It was a lot of, I don't know. I texted AJ immediately after. I was like, have you read this? And I didn't yeah. know that you guys had an interview with, you know, for three hours, but... Yeah, I didn't realize it was three hours either until I listened to it on the way here from New York. Oh, you um, did? You listened to it on the way? Yeah, because well, I hadn't listened to it since we actually sat down and did it. And when we had the interview, um, I, like first of all, like AJ has been amazing about this. Like he, when he started reading it, he like got like a few chapters in and like texted me about how much he loved it. And then when he finished it, he texted me again and just said that you know, how much he and I are alike, um, and, uh, that he wants to help, help me with this book, like help promote it and help support it. He's that kind of guy, man. Um, which is like crazy to me because, and I mean, I told him this when we were talking but like, I mean, he's probably like one of my like favorite songwriters, you know, just the, the lyrics that he writes, but dangerous summer I've, I've listened to more than any other band, you know? Um, yeah. Same. And, uh, and so the fact that like he likes this book and believes in it the way, you know, that I, I hope more people will, um, just means like the world to me. And so sitting down to talk with him about it was really cool. And, um, we went over like the chapters with his songs in them to like, cause that's another thing I want to talk to the bands that I've included in this 
to see how they feel about how I've interpreted their lyrics, you know? Um, and so, cause for, I guess people listening, there's a song that goes with every chapter and, and it's not like the chapters aren't essays about the song. The songs are just kind of like a soundtrack to the chapter. So, um, a lot of the, a lot of the songs were what I was listening to while I was in this hotel room. Um, and then a lot of them are just songs I listen to all the time because I'm feeling this way. And so they were, they were the songs that popped up while I was writing certain chapters. So like, there's like some Jimmy Eat World songs in there, Death Cab for Cutie, a Bright Eyes song. Um, yeah. Who have you met from this? So, so you, you know, AJ. Yeah. And there's, um, I've you, given it to the singer from Smoking Popes, yeah, Josh. Do you know Anthony Ranieri? I, I, yeah. I mean, I kind of know him. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's like, I, I go back and forth on this because, uh, I, I booked Bayside at, in my like shitty hometown back in 2003. Oh, holy um, shit. And they stayed at my house um, back then. And then like back in those days, like they were playing like these small towns and stuff. And they, they would come to South Texas quite a bit, which not a lot of bands did. But they built up a following there, which I think any band would if you go to South Texas because no bands do. And so yeah. the fans come out and they like appreciate the shit out of it that you like made it that far. Um, but so um, he and I have crossed paths a ton of times over the years. I've interviewed him so many times over the I'm years sure. too. And, and every time I see him at shows, he always remembers me. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I sent him the book um, and I'm hoping he writes the forward for it, but I don't know if he's going to. Oh, is that your goal? Uh, that's the goal. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like for him to do that. Um, but, uh, because I, I use a few Bayside songs in here too, mm -hmm. there's probably like at least two, but I think there's more than that. Cause that's another band. Like I, I've seen Bayside more than I've seen any other band. Like they're a band that every record they put out has like, I've related to, you know? Yeah. Um, so I gave it to, I, I've given it to Anthony and I've given it to Nick from Bayside. I've given it to Josh from Smoking Popes. Did you do, uh, um, Dan? From Wonder Years? I did. I sent it to Dan from Wonder Years. Um, thanks to my buddy Misha, who writes for Kerrang. Um, I don't think you've met him. No. Um, I feel like somebody brought him up to me not too long I, ago. I probably have maybe before, it was, Or maybe Dana. Maybe it was you. Oh, maybe um, it was Dana. But uh, yeah, he's like my, my closest homie in New York. He texted Dan and asked if I could get his address to send it to him. So I've given it to Dan and Matt from the Wonder Years. Fuck yeah, um, that's the shit. And then I really need to find out how to get to Matt Skiba. <laughs> Good luck. Of Blink-182 fame? Uh, yeah, of Blink-182 <laughs> fame. Um, oh, I gave it to Derek from Mayday Parade, too. He, he's a, the nicest guy in the entire nice world. We it's real weird. We did a video together um, last time they were in Brooklyn, um, which is very cool. You can see it on the Zero Platoon YouTube channel. <laughs> we'll link it Do in the show plugs. notes. Yeah, um, Rick does the show notes, so he'll cool. put it up there. But yeah, no, he plays. He does a little uh, acoustic song on there too, and has a nice little chat. Uh, I gave it to. There's no like movie life songs in here, but I gave it to Vinny from the movie life. We just did a Zero Platoon. I'm so you happy you did on the that. Zero Platoon YouTube. Is that already up? No, no, not oh. yet. I just, <laughs> shot it, I just shot it like two days ago. I was like, that was um, quick. No, I know. Um, it will be up, and he played a song that he wrote two days before the video. Holy so shit! No one else has heard it. 
So this is why you need to follow Zero Platoon everywhere. Get them exclusives. I yeah. know. Yeah. Zero Platoon was one of like the first things that Have Mercy did. Like one of those like interviews. We well we did it in the street in Brooklyn. It wasn't like an interview. In the van and in the street. Yeah, same. Kind of like we sang Danzig. Porn. Kind of like I porn. Like, I like the best porn out there. Welcome the to the porn the house. <laughs> Rick's porn house. I'm so glad that you got to see this house because I tell everybody that looks like porn house and nobody, nobody believes me. You know, the, there's a, I think it's Ruby Soho, the rancid song. He's like, the house took us to yeah. the porn house. <laughs> um, it's all about this. Dude, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but when, when my wife and I went to Riot Fest, I was like, because uh, Dashboard Confessional played Riot Fest last year. And um, we were listening to Dashboard on the way to the festival. And I was like, my, my new thing is singing Dashboard songs as Tim Armstrong. Oh, God. Because I do a good Tim Armstrong, man. Like, I've been, like, Out Come the Wolves is, like, the first or second CD me and my brother ever bought. So, like, That's I've crazy. been listening to Rancid forever. I thought you were just and, a Scott kid growing up. I mean, Rancid was kind of, they got those, mm. those time bomb. You know, they got some yes. Scott songs on there. <laughs> uh, but, no, I was definitely never just a Scott kid. Because, like, the first stuff I... The first like CD I got was MXPX Teenage Politics, and then we got Rancid, Out Come the Wolves. There just wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of ska bands at that point. This is before like No Doubt broke, probably like two years before like No Doubt broke and Boss Tones were. So there, like ska wasn't as out as punk was. Yeah. Um. So it was just easier to. Would No Doubt break in like '96 or something like that? Yeah, it was '96 because I went to that first yeah. tour. Matchbox 20 opened. Oh, uh, opened? The, no, no. The Vandals opened. Matchbox 20 was support. And um, Fucking weird. Well, here's the thing. The reason I was going, because I still didn't even care about No Doubt at that point, uh, Cake was supposed to be support. And I loved Dude, Cake. Cake is awesome. Um, and this is 96, because my bro- my, one of my best friends who played trumpet in my band, his brother, who was a senior in high school, we were freshmen, drove us to San Antonio to see this show or it might have been Austin I think no it was San Antonio um, and we heard that on the way up that Cake wasn't going to be on the show and they were replaced by Matchbox 20 and we, when we got to the oh, show weird fucking thing well, and this is like pre-push breaking like push was maybe just on the ra- like I wanna push you around that was Matchbox yeah. 20's like first they, they had a different name before it was Meshbox 20. I forget really? what it was called. Sorry, that was uh-huh. my brain wandering. But uh, so we go to the show and like the Vandals just played. And then, Yeah, how the fuck do you go from the Vandals to Matchbox well, 20? here's the thing, you don't. Because, <laughs> because Matchbox 20 got booed off the stage. Oh, like, shit. People were booing and the whole band didn't leave, but Rob Thomas left <laughs> the stage. Or no, he he thought he was like being tough and he like these people in the front of the crowd were heckling him and he was like what'd you say and he gives the mic to the guy the guy gets the mic and goes i said get off the stage you <laughs> suck <laughs> and so he like got off the stage he left but then, but then the other guys in the band were like hey let's give my brother rob a hand and get him back out uh, here and enough people did i guess so he came back out and they finished oof. their set Dude, that's rough. That is super rough. I know, but then they fucking turned into Matchbox 20, so he got his, man. Dude, I love that band more and more. I really? like, Yeah, I don't know what it is. I never liked them as a kid, but recently. I did like some songs, yeah. I, I didn't hate them as much as everybody did. but <laughs> Everybody at that songs. concert? Yeah. I think it's that, um, it's that meme that I saw the other day. It was like <laughs> levels of like where they're playing your hits, 
And like by the time you're our age, like they're playing your hits in the grocery store. Yeah. Like you're yeah, walking yeah. around the grocery store and you're like, yeah, this is my jam. Yeah. I it's think like, that's just where we are now. Maybe. I don't know. I was like said, like I would be fine with that. If my music ended up in a grocery store, fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. But I never wanted to like go like play in a bar, you know? I always said like that's where I would cut off my career, even though I'm cutting off my career now. Cutting off your career, taking another step. <laughs> yeah. Aren't like a lot of venues just bars though? No, but I mean, like, I don't want to be bands. like a bar band. You're like the background music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah where yeah, nobody terrible. gives a fuck. Yeah. And, yeah. That's almost just, that's more like, like Leonard Skinner. It's yeah. like a fucking nuisance. I didn't come to this bar to hear you play music that I don't hear until I came here you to get drink. Paid, you, get, you get paid pretty well, though. Do you do get paid well? well that that's the, the thing, crazy that band, thing. Some radio that I was working with in Virginia, I did a few of their music videos. Yeah. They're so talented. But they still like did three hour bar gigs where they did covers because they would get paid like two grand to do it. Yeah, it's know? fucking awesome. Yeah, and then they'd go out on tour and do their own thing and not I make any they, money. I, I think they also like pick up some bar gigs while they're on tour though. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess is smart. And also, it's like, man, the way everything's changing, like, there's no right way to do things anymore. You know? No. no. Like, there's well, uh, like the, I think the industry thinks that there's like a set way to do things. And that's how they like try to keep every band like exactly doing the same thing. But it's... and that's the problem, too. And it's the same thing in like what I work in. Like I I worked at Rolling Stone as a video producer for a little while, and that was a dream job of mine. But then you get in there and you see that it's still kind of older print journalism people who are scared of digital and scared of video, so they're not embracing like what you can bring to the table. They just kind of want to. So would you, out, would you, you know? pitch shit and then get it like shut down immediately or it wasn't even that kind of situation where you, where the video team could pitch shit. You know? Really? Yeah. It was, so there was like, we would, um, kind of do what people would bring to us, but then also there, I, I, because I had my connections from my previous like music journalism career or entertainment journalism career, um, I was able to like set some video shoots up. And we would just shoot them and then like not even consult the the print people because they really didn't have anything to do with it. Like it was just going to go online, you know? Right. But what the print people should have been doing was saying, I'm going to fucking interview, you know, whatever, Maroon 5 or whatever Rolling Stone does. Um, bring a video team and like get some video clips where we could put some three minute like cuts of just one thing and then it drives more traffic to your website. Like... Embrace so it. You didn't work together at all. No, there were, and it was the same thing. It's been the same thing everywhere. Like when I was at Comedy Central um, from 2012. Yes, an Emmy from Comedy Central. When I was there, <laughs> it was still really tough for like the TV people to embrace the digital people, which I was part of. Um, because, That's crazy. Because they yeah. were afraid of like, oh, well, if these guys, you know, can do this, then budget money is going to start going to them and like uh, or maybe we're going to lose our jobs because everything's going to digital but there's it, it's so dumb because all these places have so few people working anyway that like if we team up we'll make better stuff and i yeah, mean that's, t- that's tv's not dying like <laughs> yeah that's been like the disheartening is thing it not though it's it's not it really no. isn't um standard like the way that people have typically viewed tv is though i think i mean it's definitely less people like people are watching it the traditional way less but it's not going anywhere yeah there's still like tens of millions of people who watch tv you know 
right time. but it's like evolving so crazily which i think speaks to what mike is saying about digital is like i think like the five to ten minute clips is where like a lot of stuff is going now. yeah totally yeah. like but uh, you haven't lost that tv audience yet you have uh what's that there's a company called quibi that i don't know if you guys have heard of but it's like it's quibi short for quick bites and they've got this weird new format where like the directors shoot in like both portrait and landscape because mm. it suits mobile better. Yeah, I think Reno nine one one is doing something with Quibi. Okay, that um, would make sense. Yeah, they're like redoing. Well, they're doing new skits, but doing them all five ten minutes. Yeah, so like that's where people are going, I think, because and it, you've got a lot of people where, and not me, I can't stand to watch video on like my laptop. But like, yeah, that's because you're fucking weird. It's a whole new world. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of the same media, way too, though, media man. consumption. Like, I, I. Um, I've been watching like YouTube on my TV yeah. at, at home because like I've I've only like come to real not realize that I can but I I've had the realization of like why am I not you right know? if I'm like sitting on my couch eight feet away from my TV watching a YouTube video why not just watch it on my I like Apple TV YouTube app exactly and that's what I started doing. On your much bigger screen. Yeah. Right, but you're all about like Dolby Atmos. Oh, you got to have the Dolby Atmos and the Dolby Vision. <laughs> no, I mean, if Everything. I had money, I would, I would too. Man. I mean, I have an OLED TV because that black needs to be as black as it can be. I'll never forget when you sat us down in your living room. And like oh. when you had everything set up, you, and were, it was you a got to experience it. It was an experience. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing once I get like good shit too, man. Really? Yeah. I don't care that much. I, I can just watch yeah. everything on my phone. I think that in a way, I think it's more that the TV is always going to be there, no matter if it's on cable or Netflix. Yeah. There's always going to be that TV demographic. But I think theaters are like going to be the thing that like we start seeing disappear soon. Oh, yeah. Because... Yeah. It's people sad, either but... don't care enough to like go to the theater to get that theater experience or they're they have their own setups yeah i don't know how like this because like i have the regal unlimited thing where okay. i can like go to see like so the other like a, maybe like a month ago i went to see parasite um like that was the one movie i wanted to see but then there were like two other movies i want to see but there's been multiple times in my life where I've gone to the theater all day and watched like four or five movies. But in order to do that, to watch the movies you want, you got to fit in one shitty movie in there. I don't um, know how you do that. The girl I'm seeing right now does that. Yeah. She sits in a theater. She went the other day and just took a bottle of wine. Sat for like a couple movies. Yeah. My wife will take a bottle of wine to work to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> to work. To work. <laughs> I mean, she, well, she's, she's a nurse now, but previous yeah. jobs she might've. Um, but yeah, I can't, I, my attention span's not there. I don't know how you do it. Uh, yeah, I just like watch. movies. I, my, but my wife does not like going to the theater. She like she'll go for like certain movies she wants to see. But uh, but that's why I have the Regal Unlimited. She doesn't because I'll just go to the movies by myself. <laughs> um, but no, the cool thing about it is that like you could be in a movie, and this is what I did that weekend. And then I just like look up what's what's starting <sighs> after this ends, and then I just get the free ticket on my app and while go to I'm that sitting movie. there, and then I just theater hop for free that's legally. Funny. You know, and I did. Unlike when I, we were kids. Yeah, no, I used to. Yeah, no, till last year, I used to do it illegally. I mean, I think theaters still serve a place. Like, um, I was the girlfriend and I were talking about going to the movies this weekend. I'm like, what's out? And she's like, Well, Bad Boys for Life is out, and uh, 
1917. <laughs> yeah, 1917 looks awesome. So 1917 is definitely a movie I think you need to go to the theater for. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think it's that... It's made for you'll, the theater. Yeah, yeah, you'll never get that same experience on your sofa unless yeah. you have like a giant projector screen. Yeah. Um, which I don't... Or your Dolby Atmos. I mean, I got the Dolby Atmos, <laughs> but like I only have a 65-inch OLED. I don't have an 88 yet. Um, yeah what i do yeah um but no i think that's like i think that's definitely a theater film but like bad boys for life like i'll just watch that when it's available on my own tv but i think what's what's upsetting to me is nobody's come out with a way for me to just pay like 30 dollars to see like a first run movie on my couch i would gladly pay 30 bucks 30 bucks yeah because i'm gonna watch it with my girlfriend and we'd spend 30 bucks at the movie theater anyway (laughs) Uh, I don't know if yeah, I would. I wouldn't pay that much. See, I think I would. And now I know there's, but see, I'm saying. I so pay would that you? Much. Yeah, I mean, so would you pay like standard ticket price? Yeah, I would. To pay sit standard, on your couch? Yeah, plus like that an just extra sounds lazy. Bucks. I get that though. Yeah, because a lot of people hate the crowd of the theater. Yeah, which I do too. Like, I won't go. There's. That's I why I don't go to the movies. I can't think of a movie that would get me out on like opening night. Right, a Maybe super the, busy maybe crowd. Maybe when Top Gun Two comes out. Seriously. Super busy. Um, Are you really excited dude. for Top Gun 2? Well, the thing is, is like for the longest time, Top Gun 1 was I've my never favorite seen it. movie. When like every, anybody would ask my favorite movie, I determined consciously that Top Gun 1 was my favorite movie because every time I, I would pass it on TV, even with commercials, I would stop, stop. and watch it. And like, that's got to mean something. Like if you'll watch it with commercials and you won't go past it if you see it on... That means something. And so, for the longest time, Top Gun was my favorite movie. Um, but I lived on uh, Miramar, the base where they shot Top Gun, when they shot Top Gun there. Where's that? In San Diego. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, Miramar. I like that. Yeah, I actually <laughs> remember I had my 23rd birthday in San Diego when I was on tour with you and on the Cruel Hand, Real Friends, Neck Deep Tour. Um I have this oh no! I'm glad. There's nothing. Wait, you um, did you? I, oh I, no, I do remember. Wait, that was I, a long time. Not twenty third. No. Thirty two. I was probably twenty three. I turned. You probably were. 30, I turned thirty two. Thirty two. Right. Because this was like. I remember four years ago. The song. Oh, oh wait, I do remember this day. Did we go out to this bar? And we sang happy birthday to you outside. You sang happy birthday to me outside in the parking lot. And I have a video of that. Yeah. And it was so cool to me because I hadn't been back to San Diego since I left. Like, I was born there. And I left when I was six. Right. And I hadn't been back until I turned 32 there on tour with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, you and the Cruel Hand guys sang happy birthday to me. And then the next day, we went to Phoenix. And I had that Taylor Swift shirt, like, with my sleeveless Taylor yeah. Swift shirt. And on the back, I wrote with the Sharpie, I don't, I don't know, know about, about you, you, but I'm feeling 32. <laughs> um, which uh, which like, I thought was funny, but then I was like, it was like real friends in neck deep. So like the, the average, like the median age of kids there were like 16. 16. And I'm like this 32 year old. I was probably the oldest person on that tour, I think. Or the, oh no, Cruel Hand guys were probably older. And neck deep's like tour manager was maybe older than me. Maybe it was. How old was your tour manager? Which which one? <laughs> on that tour, uh, that was no. We didn't. I don't think we had tour manager. Eli, it was just oh, no, yeah, there was, was it was a lady. No, because I remember. I was it your manager. I remember. I saw you guys in Philly on that tour. I remember this because it was probably Avange. 
I was 99% sure that I was going to rip the antenna off the, up in my car, get into the parking garage, that I had to duck. I had to walk through it ducked. I mean, I'm 6'4", but still, that's low for a parking garage. And I went backstage to say bye to you guys. Yeah, it was a vonge. Okay, yeah, because yeah. she was just tearing a, into your merch guy. Yeah, and, that sounds like her. Yeah, and I was like, was this, is, this is great. Kevin wasn't on that tour. No. I think maybe it was Eli still. Huh. But yeah, I was just like, I'm just here to say bye to the guys before I head back to Baltimore. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of fun managers, a lot of fun tour managers. We, have, good, we have a good tour manager this upcoming tour. That's a good show, though. So the guitar tech for early November <laughs> on the last tour, cool. I was like, hey, you want to come tour manage us? He's an awesome guy. So we got a good crew. Cool. Yeah, um, it's going to be scary. I saw Derek Buell, who was... That was Neck Deep's tour manager. No, who was the Australian guy? Australian guy. Yeah. He was like older. I think he like married some woman from Texas or something. Oh, Ian. oh, Ian. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he there? Yeah, he was there. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Derek was. I've worked with him a bunch. With, he was awesome. He was driving them and did their merch. That's right. Yeah. And then Ian was just tour managing. Oh, yeah. But Derek was on the road with Dangerous Summer when I gave AJ the book in New York. Last, yeah. Last Dangerous Summer tour. Yeah, I guess they're. They're probably going to do another record soon. Who? Dangerous Summer, I oh, guess. Yeah. They're probably coming up on it. Um, I need a refill, but I need some ice. So I'm, I'm oh, yeah, you can get to, up. Like, edit this. So, no, we don't have to edit yeah, it. Can keep going. Can you, can you grab me a white claw when you're up? <laughs> so when Mike's gone, I'd like to be here to promote the next have mercy tour um we are havemercy.com uh tickets are available now and uh we're touring across the u.s for the final time because i don't want to be in the music industry anymore (laughs) uh whatever (laughs) there's no laws when you're drinking claws white claw (laughs) whiteclaw.com i don't know if that's the site but I'm still gonna play music, but I don't know at what. Yeah. Oops, sorry. At a, what if you became a concert musician? What, like professionally? Yeah. But you mean like a like a pianist type thing? Like a pianist. I don't like the way you said it, but <laughs> no, I don't think I could. I don't think I'm. I see. I don't know music. Like I can't read music. I can. You're definitely more of a songwriter. Yeah, I can sit there and like tell you what chord somebody's playing if I hear it, but I can't like read it at all. Well, look, this is good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're having this conversation because you're not like on a like any of your future things like aren't like beholden to hopeless, right? Like you. No, no. Uh, so hopeless and. I had a conversation that I can't disclose a lot of, but... See, that's what I was getting at. I was like, oh, now that you're not, like, like obligated to a label, I can get shit out of you. Oh, yeah. I mean, wait, I have, like, uh, <laughs> two more months until you can hear everything? Uh-huh. Have you ever thought about starting your own label? No. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike. I would never do it. Mike could Here, do it. Here's the thing. I, I, I feel like I could do it because... Yeah. I, I always say that, like... I don't fail at a lot of things because I don't try to do things I don't think I would be successful at, you know? 
Um, Dude, that's a good way to live so, life. So, yeah, <laughs> like, like, I can't do that, so I'm not going to do it. I feel confident in this book, and I've gotten a lot of feed, good feedback in it, but I've been writing my whole life, you know? So it's not like I'm trying something I'm, I've never done before, you know? Um, and, like, yeah, I just... And, like, video stuff. I, I'm not afraid to... Johnny Walker. I'm not afraid <laughs> to, like, try something new in video. <clears throat> and it... It's another bullshit thing about like this is what I'm saying. Like the the industry I work in is very similar to what you do, because like I've applied to jobs at like agencies that just do like medical advertising, you know. And they're like, "Oh, have you ever done medical advertising before?" I'm like, no, but I also the fuck is medical advertising. Like doing fucking <laughs> pill commercials and shit. Oh, um, like dude, that's a dark. Um, I don't think I could do that. And uh. I, I'm like, no, I've never done that. But I also never did a women's hair care product till I did Herbal Essences commercials with fucking Fanagram, you know? And I never did a luxury car commercial till I did a Mercedes thing with fucking uh, Mike Will made it, you know? Like, I never did any of these things cool. until I fucking did them. And I'm, I'm a good storyteller, so it doesn't matter what the thing is. It's like, I know how to tell a story, you know? I'm glad you can tell a story. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Brian will tell you I'm the worst storyteller. Oh, ever. I thought you were like, oh, yeah, you can't tell a fucking story. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, you are. But yeah, so it's like, I don't, I don't really try to do things I know I can't do, you know? Um, I'll, like the label thing, if I, had, if I were a millionaire, I would start a label. Yeah, you have to have that capital. Because like, like I believe in Brian. I believe in this band Sub Radio. <laughs> like, I've... I spent my life just fucking studying music and studying the music industry and studying marketing, which is all anything is about, you know? That's all it is. Um, like, whoever, like, markets the best wins. And, Who like, has a, whoever has the most money, man. Yeah, well, and that's, that's it. what it takes. And that's the thing is, like, when I was working with that band Sub Radio, like, I wish I could have done everything for them because they're that good, you know? Like, they could have been, and they still could be, um, it's just that they've been at it for such a long time that I'm afraid that, you know, they're going to, yeah, you, you, if you haven't made it, you're not going to make it yeah. type thing. And, um, but, uh, but no, they're pretty dedicated to it. So anyway, um, I, w I would love to do that. Uh, I would love to have a production company where I can just like help people fund their movies, you know, um, people that I believe in and know are talented, but don't have the resources to do it. Um, yeah, I, w I would love to do that, but uh, I just need I just need like fifty thousand people to buy this book, and then I think you can do it. I think so too, yeah. man. How that many people do you need to be a bestseller? Dude, well, I was thinking about that too. I was like, I definitely could see this like becoming a bestseller. Well, I appreciate that, but nah, here's, here's I don't lie because I've done my research <laughs> on that too, and everything you look up of like how to become a bestseller says. Don't think about being a bestseller because there's <laughs> no real way to be a bestseller because it's not about copies that you sell. Because oh. the New York Times, like the the ones, the bestseller lists that matter are the New York Times bestseller list. I Amazon? Has I mean, to mean. It's so, it doesn't mean anything because it's so easy to become. I'll probably be an Amazon bestseller. Because there are ways to Knew hack it. Knew he'd be a bestseller. Because there are ways to hack it. What do you mean? Like, it, but it's by copy, right? It's for Amazon in, uh, in category. So, oh. so there's like, there's like the category, there's like arts and entertainment, 
dash music, dash punk. Damn. There's no emo. There's no dash emo. But yeah. if there were, I'd be bestseller in that. But maybe there <laughs> number might one. Be, maybe there <laughs> might be a dash memoir after punk. Um, well, no, that's the thing too. And in memoir, there's <laughs> dash like political figures, dash musicians, dash authors, like just like like uh, billboard charts. Basically, yeah. Basically, you find you can find a. Um, and this is like, dude, I, I, this is what I'm talking about. Like I researched the shit out of this stuff. You could find a, a like niche category where like the top seller is selling like two books a week and you can fucking become the best seller. Sell that. three. And then once That's you become a bestseller up. in that, you get the like badge that says bestseller. And that, That's that makes so Amazon wrong. push your book to more people. And then those people see it and they buy your book, but then you can change the category mm. And then, like, what just go more general just, at that point? Well, you can go to more general, or you could go to another fucking niche category. <laughs> and just best sell through fucking bullshit niche categories, you know? Um, That's fucking. But crazy. when it comes to like Wall Street Journal bestseller list and um, New York Times bestseller list, they don't go by copies because a lot of like trashy romance novels and shit like that sell a ton of books. But those like prestigious papers also they're they're not just based on copies they're based on like the kind of books they want to put on their list and the copies they sell you know that's why it's like you know oprah book oprah's book club kind of shit yeah now i get it yeah so how do you get on oprah's book club though i don't think she'll ever have you on (laughs) yeah i think this is a little too risque for oprah i wanted to say like did your you were very vulnerable in this book like you kind of let put everything on the table did you uh your wife, did she know a lot of this stuff? Um, she hasn't read it yet. I, what? I gave it to her a long time ago. Oh, her and I are on the same page. But she, but she, didn't, she didn't read <laughs> no. it. Um, Why? And because she doesn't want to? I don't... Not in a bad Yeah, way. no. That could be like this What's mic. That noise? Sometimes these microphones like <laughs> static-y. Okay, I thought my house so, was like falling yeah. down or something. I thought you had a cat. I heard it earlier and I'm like, what's going on? What's leaking? Um, <laughs> but uh but no so she hasn't read it which that was like my biggest fear it's like what she would think of it um yeah i mean Oof. I, i'm, I'm I letting know it all out now that. because this fucking book's coming out but like yeah the main thing is like there's the prostitute chapter Ooh, i didn't tell you so my mom <laughs> i was wondering why you want to give this to your mom well because she, she likes he, he she likes texted books. me and asked for a me to bring a curry asked if I was bringing copies so he could give one to his mom which was strange can't to you me, just give she, your mom your copy she flipped like right to the prostitute thing when I showed her the book like the second she opened too, it when I gave it to you there must be some kind of like sleight of hand card trick happening there that makes people open it you up like have it like what chapter is it uh, it's it's like, early on like, Yeah I know It's also early it's <laughs> That's like what she or three. She flipped right to it And was like Reading the prostitute thing She was like Yeah it seems interesting I was like Oh this is weird uh, And I was like Yeah he's like One of my good friends <laughs> It was dark um, Yeah what chapter is it It's it's the It's a Bayside chapter And it's uh, <laughs> Is that it's just this Annoys fucking you up Tortures of the Damned Tortures of the Damned That's it It's page 18 Great oh, page. Jesus Christ, that's like yeah, really it's early. Yeah, super early. You really get into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so back and to your, your wife. Like eight of those pages are just like, you know, the normal first pages of a book. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, page one is the first page of the story. Oh, did you do it like yeah. that? Yeah. 
And then there's, you know, QR codes. I like how you did that too in the book. There's uh, QR codes for the playlists for the yeah. whole book. And it's really... I, I subscribed to Apple Music to make an Apple Music playlist mm. for people who read this book and need an Apple Music playlist. All right, but what do you normally use, Spotify? I use Spotify, yeah, but... because it's, it's better. Even, even like two of my Apple two best Apple Music friends, pays better. My two best friends in Texas like use Apple Music. And so I didn't do it for them, but it made me realize like, oh, I guess there are people out there who don't use Spotify. What about the title yeah. playlist, though? No, no, that's fine. <laughs> he uses title. Do you use I, title. I used to. Oh, the problem that? is, yeah, because <laughs> I like the loss of audio quality. It goes hand I in hand. You can't about that. Who hear cares? it, bro. You can hear it. <laughs> yeah, but who cares? When you sit in front of those speakers over <laughs> yeah. there oh, and listen, there, yeah. you can hear it. Telling you. But you should just the, lock yourself in that living room. The problem is, is the library isn't there. Like yeah. his latest album isn't on there. Yeah, because nobody. But like, you don't need lossless quality on her fucking auto tune, oh, drum sampled record. Now I want to hear your record in lossless audio. Oh yeah, it'll sound terrible. Our first record. <laughs> I bet it would I sound mean, great. So here's the thing, though, and I think a lot of it is though is like I listen to music really loud, mm-hmm. and that's when you can really hear it. Yeah. You really hear an MP3 start falling apart when it's turned up real loud. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think it also like depends on the system because I was actually listening to your record on the way up here after I finished the interview. Our newest one. Yeah. Okay. Um in that Mustang and I have not heard, I have not like messed with the settings on it at all because I just like got in the car and left. Um, and so like it, it, I know how good your record sounds cause I listened to it a million times. Um, and it just sounded super compressed in that car, but it's because like I didn't, I haven't fucked with like everything else on it. if you get into it i guarantee the bass and treble are like not where they're supposed to be at all because people love to screw that up yeah 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 probably. Okay, no, the treble will be like all the way up or all the way down and yeah, like the bass is like, like yeah. at the opposite end for no reason yeah i realize that when i listen to music now look one time paul got in uh, my car and he was like why is your treble that high i didn't realize i think it's like where my hearing loss is going mm. like i've lost like that top end yeah. that i have to crank it up to actually listen yeah I like to turn the treble up a little bit just so it's a little bit brighter, and then I turn the bass up a little bit just because I like a little bit of oomph into it. But. Yeah, but that's personal preference. Like, if you were to mix something, you have to compensate for... You have to compensate for everything. You have to compensate for headphones, cars, all that kind of have shit. Have you ever right. listened to any of those, like, recordings that are, like... I feel like they call them, like, 3D recordings. Oh, where it just, yeah. Where like, goes, like, around your head. So cool, dude. I want to buy one of those. Like, they have those headphones that are like, yeah, it's like 5.1 in headphones. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, man. And like, I've only seen it on YouTube where they have like, where there's like one, there's like one channel that I saw that remixed all of these songs and it was like new pop hits, like newer Panic at the Disco and stuff like that. But they did it to where it just like swoops around your head. So that's it's weird like, to uh, me. Nuts. So, Amazon. So cool. Amazon has Dolby Atmos tracks now. I don't know why. So you better get a Dolby Atmos fucking plug yeah. after this, man. So I should. Endorsement. But here's what I don't Is understand. Is this podcast going to be in Dolby Atmos? Ooh, maybe we can mix it that <laughs> way. I don't even know what that means. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, this so podcast in Dolby, Dolby Atmos? Dolby Atmos is... And this is this is very interesting because I thought that Dolby Atmos just meant that it had you had the speakers above you, mm. so that's a new thing for Dolby Atmos is speakers above you pointing down. So was it seven point one? No, because Dolby Atmos has it's a fucking ten point two, bro. It has another Double. number. No, it has three numbers. 
You have oh, your first shit. You have your speakers <laughs> in a horizontal plane, followed by right. subwoofers. How many? How however many you want. Right, but the, the I, so my <laughs> subwoofers. Okay, all so subwoofers. For example, my setup my setup <laughs> is five point oh point two because I don't have any subwoofers. Oh. My speakers have twelve inch subwoofers, but they're passive. Um, well, I guess they're woofers because they're not powered. Anyway, my dog's a woofer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have you have your horizontal plane, you have your subwoofers, and then you have your height speakers, which shoot sound down on you. So you have three numbers now. But anyways, Dolby Atmos is set up so that the sound engineer can tell your system how it is supposed to sound. And in that, they have the audio gets mixed in 3D space. So the sound engineer says, this sound is coming from this point. And then your receiver, the amplifier, figures out what to do with the speakers to make yeah. it sound like it's there. Which is different than surround sound, where they just program to those speakers specifically. Now that that layer of figuring out how to make that sound happens on the receiver. So do you have That's to be like a it? sound engineer to like... Mix in Dolby Atmos? Probably. Yeah. yeah you, you probably need to know what you're doing, but yeah. it's like... You, it's really only you, the engineer is still gonna have to mix as if it's a you know entire environment. Like you're gonna have to do the same thing as you would with surround sound. I think there's I no know. doubt you have to mix that way. I'm sure there is like something in their workflow that just like automatically spits that out. There's no way because how can a, you know a, a fucking like program look at a video and be like, eh, that's where the sound is. Oh, no, no. The, the sound engineer tells it where the sound is, but I'm assuming right, so when they down like mix to sound. like standard surround well, wouldn't sound. Wouldn't you have to like, while you're watching a movie, <laughs> if you want like gunshots to come from back there, <laughs> do you have to watch the whole movie and program the sound? Yeah. yeah. Where it's just want? like regular yeah. Foley, right? But yeah. you got to watch the movie twice. <laughs> One, mixing the sound, and then once to enjoy the sound you just mixed. Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, but like, I mean, I, it sounds terrible to be that guy mixing the audio because I'm sure he's making good money to watch a movie. But when you have it in your house, is what I'm talking I thought that's what we're talking about. Oh, no, no. In your house, it just happens. <laughs> okay. I don't, I, I don't, now I'm totally lost. Yeah, now I'm definitely lost. How does it just happen? Why can't it just happen in a theater? Well, they have Dolby at most theaters. But does a sound mixer need to mix that? No, I'm talking about the sound mixer in the movie studio. Oh, yeah, when oh, they do the sound so mix like in the movie studio. into the film right. when they play it in places. Exactly, gotcha, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm not like sitting there like tweaking settings before I start watching yeah, a movie. Yeah. No. All right. I could see you doing that, though. Maybe. I mean, that'd be kind of, that'd be a fun, like, I could see people like, Thinking that, I mean, I might have fun with that I once. Mean, like, back in the day when, like, people had, like, racks of AV equipment to, like, listen to a record. Like, you know, they were fiddling with, like, the EQ. They were like, oh, this Jimi Hendrix album sounds great if I, like, yeah. adjust this all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it probably sounded good in the first place, Jimi Hendrix. Man. I, I was reading my notes for this podcast, and I just wrote this morning, Dad has four wives. Over four wives. Your dad had not over four wives. at the same time. No. <laughs> not Utah stuff. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's on his fourth wife. Um, and like I say in the book, he, I'm pretty sure he finally got it right. Like, they've been together. I don't even know. Um, fuck, let me see. 2002, they were together. So at least oh, shit. 18 years. 
Um, yeah, it seems like he has it right then. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think he, was only, he was only married to my mom for like eight, maybe eight or nine. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, he, my mom was his second wife and we never knew anything about his first wife. Oh, was it like a surprise? Um, it was, it was a surprise because like <clears throat> the way I found out about it, um, I was a kid. I was still really young. Um, I want to say maybe like, I was maybe like 12 or something. Um, and we were staying at his parents' house in Oklahoma. And like when we would stay there, like me and my brother would sleep in his old room. And uh, they had this like card with this newspaper cut out of, because my dad was in the Navy for like over 20 years. And this newspaper cut out was from like Italy or somewhere. And I want to say like a volcano like erupted or something. So he, so, and it was like, he's from a small town in Oklahoma. So like, it, you know, you make the, the hometown newspaper. Or yeah. Whatever. And, uh, it's a big deal. It mentioned him and his wife and their kid. And, and this is just sitting on a dresser, like in the bedroom that me and my brother sleep in at his parents' house. So it's like, we're going to see it. Um, but, uh, so it was your grandparents' house. Yeah they, yeah, yeah, they didn't say anything. They didn't no, mention. Like, no, they didn't. We never talked yeah. about it. Um, and then I think eventually, like my mom, my mom, or no, no, we we talked to my cousins about it, um, who also probably who also like because my cousins on that side of the family are the same age as me and my brother, so they weren't alive when he was married to this first wife. Okay. Um, but they know they knew about her because like. Their parents were honest with them about things. <laughs> um, and so uh, I never talked to my dad about it until, man, until my adult life, like in my mid-20s, um, he told me about about her. Um, it said she was a dancer, which is not <laughs> the uh, polite term I heard from oh. other people. Um, I heard she was a stripper. Oh. I don't know if that's true. Strippers do um, dance, though. They do dance, yes. Um, For money. And uh, but, <laughs> but but most like nineteen-year-old Navy guys aren't going to the ballet, so uh, I don't know where <laughs> else he would meet a dancer. Um, but she had a kid before she met my dad, so the kid isn't my dad's. Oh, um, I thought that's what you're saying earlier. Yeah. Um. It's so. Uh, yeah, I mean, once he finally did, once we did talk about it, you know, it was just one of those like. He was young and in the Navy. And it's just like, I saw so many people do that in the Army, you know? You're yeah. just so, like, lonely and away from all the people you, who care about you that you meet somebody and you, like, feel like they're going to love you, I guess. Um, yeah, why? And then, and then you'll have somebody, you know? Military people, I feel like, just jump the gun and get married. Is it because of the benefits or is it just it's, loneliness? I feel like it's definitely driven by the loneliness, by like nobody giving a shit about you really yeah. you know you, you're away from everybody who's ever cared about you um this is just my opinion yeah. um and i joined when i was 25 so i i had a little bit more of a head on my shoulders than the 18 year olds but i saw 18 year olds like get engaged like it's like all our you, friends who went in the military yeah i feel like, like that's that. a big yeah. thing in like high school you're like 17 and then you're 18 you're like i'm gonna join the military but first let me marry my high school sweetheart. Well, yeah, that too. So we can get divorced in three years. They all yeah. did. When yeah. I'm gone. And it's, yeah, that happens. I mean, my dad got divorced from that wife and my mom while he was still in the Navy. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, I saw that happen. But there are, you do get more benefits too when you get married. You, you like don't have to live in a barracks if you're like lower enlisted. Oh, um, really? And you get money, you get like basic housing allowance. So you get like another thousand a month. I knew more. that. Like, um, yeah, so there, there are more benefits. But then also, when you inevitably get divorced, you're gonna fucking pay alimony or you're gonna pay child support. Like, they take it, like, that was the thing. Like, my dad, like, had child support taken out of his check before he even got his check so my mom could get child support, you know? So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. It's, it still happens just as much as it used to. Did you buy a car the instant you signed up for the military? No, because I didn't get a bonus because okay. I signed up to be a uh, combat photographer and videographer, and I got out before I got deployed, but that's why I joined. I mean, I was, you know... I joined because I like didn't have any direction in my life and didn't know what to do. I had just broken up with the girl I mentioned in this book, who was like I was with for like four years. She was like the best relationship I had. Um, and we better just, hope your wife doesn't hear this. I, I see for <laughs> her, man, obviously. I didn't even think about it. She hasn't even read the book. She, you think she's gonna listen to this podcast? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, she probably will. That's too easy. She has an hour and a half drive to work every day so yeah. she'll probably listen to this love you babe <laughs> but uh but so i mean that sounds actually kind of cool if you have an interest in photography did you yeah. get like the benefits of like the gi bill where you can go to school well so and everything um so i didn't get a bonus because the job i signed up for was like a it wasn't a job where they needed people it's kind know? of it's more of a volunteer thing yeah you get it you get a job you get a bonus if you sign up for like infantry okay or, like jobs people don't want Right. Um, which is weird because it's normally the jobs that like, like you take the ASVAB test before you go into the military, which like gives you a score and to be able to work certain jobs like military intelligence or like satellite shit. I don't know. Or like my job, you have to have a good ASVAB score. Um, and so, but it's those jobs too that don't really give bonuses. Right. Um, so, uh, I didn't get a bonus. And then when I went in, I should have got a GI, my GI bill, but I got in a lot of trouble when I was in the army because um, I drank a lot and um, was super depressed. Yeah, and, sponsored by Johnny Walker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I was supposed to get out with a medical discharge. Like my commander like wrote the letter, signed the letter, and said, put this guy through all the shit so he could get a medical discharge, which would have been an honorable discharge, which would have given was me my Was it because of the drinking or was it? No, it was because of the major depressive disorder and anxiety okay. disorder, which like, that's another thing like I learned is that if you admit you have a problem in the military, they have to help you. Yeah. And you can't, you can, you don't get in as much trouble. So like, it was, it was like playing tag and being like, I'm on base. Like, <laughs> like I, like one time I went out with some friends, um, on St. Patty's day and we went off base to this like, crack house hotel right off fort Meade, like boarded up windows like i smoked crack there <laughs> like it was really a crack house fort right Meade. Off. yeah right off right outside of fort Meade. there's a, there's a you want the address no 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 a tragedy party in a while <laughs> uh, oh yeah well um no it's funny when you said you were having a hotel party i was like oh man that would be that would bring back memories because that's all we uh, it won't be like that out of fort meade was just like hotel parties i want to know what hotel it was i dude it's because like a, we it's said on, hotel it's like a parties in or like a nights in or something like right off of fort meade um 
I don't know if it's even. It. it would blow my mind. We can it's find still it. Standing because this was like we'll find it ten more. years ago. They've been doing a lot of development around for me too. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. They don't take take down the cool hotels though. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> this might help. There was a liquor store in the this parking lot. This might help. Oh. oh, there's tons of liquor stores around Fort Meade. No, no but in the parking lot. For a crack house boarded up hotel with okay. a liquor store in the parking lot. How far away from the shooting range? Why are you? You need some crack. So now like, it's a, bro if you got a problem let me know no but so we I'll were out at this hotel and like um looking for coke um, oh shit and just partying with like some girls who are with our who are from our um platoon or from our company and just getting drunk like we they brought the they kicked us all out of our barracks because they were bringing drug dogs to sniff through the barracks um which is like a, it's like a routine happen? thing, I guess. Um, it seems fucking crazy. Like, and uh, dude, you would think it's crazy, but like, I why would you to, bring drugs when the? Um, <laughs> well, I'll get, I'll get to this point after this story. <laughs> but uh, so they told us all to leave and come back at like one o'clock, um, and we weren't allowed to leave base. And this was in like my training school, like my job training, not basic training, but then you go to your job training school afterwards. Right. Um, and so we weren't supposed to come back till like one o'clock, but then at one o'clock they let us know not to come back till the end of the day. Um, and so we were like, fuck it. We're leaving base and we'll just go party at a So do they tell, tell you it's happening or they just tell you like, Hey, go out for a little no, bit. I think like when mom and dad go have sex. We all knew what was happening. <laughs> Leave the house for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so like we went off post to, to drink and we were like, we're going to come back for like end of the day formation. Uh, but we got so fucking wasted that we were like, we can't report drunk or we'll get in trouble. So we'll just go back before curfew and like sneak in. Does that count if you tell me you have a drinking problem though? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> we stayed out. We that's got so idea. fucked up because then we like started looking for Coke. And then one of my buddies started following this dude just to his room. He was like, I got Coke. And I was like, fuck. So like we're, I'm in my socks and I'm like, I'm not letting him go by himself. <clears throat> and so I go with him and he gets like a rock. And like a crack rock, and we like take it back to the room. We're like, well, okay, whatever. And we just like smoke a crack rock from a fucking Heineken can. Um, maybe we can get Heineken to sponsor. Uh, not after that one. <laughs> not after that one. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. And then so then it becomes like we we stayed out past um, like curfews coming up. So like. Like, all right, we'll just stay out and then sneak in at like midnight when everyone's asleep. There, there were like windows you could sneak in and out of. Um, don't you have to go through a gate have though? Guns? Oh no, we it's can go military. through. We can go through. We could go through the gate. But the they don't log you going through the gate. No, it's not a, like a base curfew. It's our barracks curfew. Okay. So um, no, they don't care. Um, they don't know any better. So what? I've been to oh, Fort Meade before. That's yeah. why I'm asking. The barracks aren't on base. No, no the they is are on base. But because our barracks is like. The, the training school barracks. It's not the... It's not like... There, there's a, thousands of other people on that base who are just in... in it's still... Out of training. Yeah, like, who, who would you have to check in with? Like, if you well, were there's to... one door to walk in. And it's, like, right next to the, the rooms where all the sergeants, like, work. Oh. And so, like, <laughs> you could sneak in the front door and hope this, none of the sergeants are in the lobby. Um... Or you can, or you can like sneak in through one of the couple of windows that you know you can sneak in through. Dude, that's fucking um, crazy. And then and look, if you don't want to sneak in through windows, don't train us how to like climb up fucking buildings. Like, <laughs> we um, learned. You yeah. taught us this. Yeah. 
Um, well, it's just practicing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so here's the thing: is that like we're so fucked up that nobody goes home that night. Like even like to sneak in at two in the morning. And do you? Th- there's a curfew, I assume, right? There is a curfew. We stay out past the curfew. What's curfew? I don't remember. It, I mean. The fact that we didn't show up to end of the day formation is already trouble. Oof. Because um, uh, yeah, everybody has to be there, so we weren't there. Um, but uh, this is awesome. But uh, <laughs> so the next morning, we all know that like to technically be a wall, uh, you have to be gone for twenty four. You have to be missing from like reporting for duty for twenty four hours. That's it. So, yeah. So like. I feel like you should give you like 48, be, 72. And the last like check-in is that end of the day formation, which is like five or six o'clock. And so we have to like five or six o'clock the next day before we're technically AWOL. Um, so like they can't, but like they could really bust you for being AWOL if you're yeah. gone for that long. Um, so I go back um, probably like one o'clock, like noon or one o'clock. Uh, nobody else, the other people in the crew I'm with do not go back. Um, but I go straight to my shrink and I'm like, I have a problem. Oh, I'm, I'm not in that's trouble. A good move. I have a problem. Uh, I was out and I drank and I also like, did you I, tell me you did crack? I did not tell him I did crack. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this podcast. I did, I did not tell him I, I did the crack. Um, but I had also taken an Adderall and I had to take a piss test when I came back. Were and, you prescribed at that point or no? No, I was not. Um, oh. But one of the girls we were with was, and so she yeah. had Adderall. And I don't know if it was because of the Adderall or if it was because of the crack. Um, <laughs> that you failed? But I, I'm not I, sure if that was the, the meth that episode. showed up or the crack. Because of the crack. <laughs> um, but I, I, I pissed hot for amphetamine, which might have been the Adderall. Yeah, it's probably the Adderall. Probably yeah. Adderall. Um, either way, I shouldn't have been pissing hot for amphetamine. Um, <laughs> but I went to my shrink first before I went to the barracks, um, and I told him... I have a problem. I'm, you know, we already, we've already determined I have depression and anxiety and I'd already been talking to him for a long time, but this is because I'm 25 and I know that like you have this shit going on. There are things you can do to help 18 year olds don't know that because when you're 18 and you join the military straight out of high school, your mom and dad made your doctor's appointments for you. Like your mom and dad, hopefully took care of you or someone took care of you or no one took care of you, but you don't know how to take care of yourself. And so that's why I started zero platoon is because I saw how hard it was for 18 year olds who had never been responsible for themselves. Like, um, I'll get to this point in a sec, but like I spent like two weekends in, um, in like psych wards at Bethesda and, um, in Annapolis um, because I, I was just like drinking so much and popping pills and shit and I write about that in the book too I, I actually talk about this a lot in the book about how like the most I've ever drank and abused drugs was when I was in the army um, and so when I went to that shrink was it I, because of the army? yeah it was because of like the depression that I felt of like not like I joined the army to find a purpose in my life and I didn't because I was just like sitting in a barracks. So you felt and, more like worthless. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't find a um, purpose. And another reason I started Zero Platoon is because like 
if I had had the freedom to go to shows like I was going, like I was doing before, to find like the community in like the punk scene, to go like express myself and like get that out at a show, you know, singing along with the bands I love, I I might have felt a little better, but I didn't have that, and so I started Zero Platoon to take that to the kids who really struggle with it, um, and so. When I saw that shrink, I told him, you know, here's what I did. I, I need your help. And he was he was like, well, do you think you're going to kill yourself? And I said, I mean, I don't think so. And he was like, well, that's that's not enough. Yeah. Like, you don't think so is not enough. And he goes, well, what can we do? And I said, I just need to get out of this situation I'm in right now. Um, and so he said, we have this 30-day rehab facility in Texas you can go to it's a it's a facility for mental health issues and drug addiction even though i wasn't like addicted to drugs or anything it was either or it was like it was a place where you can get like mental health help also um and so i went there for 30 days and they um this is what i was to say is like you think the crack's crazy everybody who was there almost every, a lot of people who were there were from fort hood in texas which is like yeah. Cav scouts, like the dudes who are fucking driving around on Humvees with like guns and like storming into buildings and shit, and uh, a lot of those dudes were there for for crack and heroin, like, and because they got busted. These are the guys who got busted doing it. You know, like there are plenty of people who weren't busted. Yeah. Um, and they were all there for that. Nobody was there for like just being an alcoholic. Um. And so, like, I went there for 30 days, and then when I came back, they immediately put me on extra duty, which is, like, the punishment you get where you have to, like, do more work than everybody else, which is kind of fucked do, up. Scrub it's the like, floors or something? Pretty much. Mopping the rain. Um, but yeah. Mopping the yeah, rain. Yeah, I just saw that, too. Um, What's that? It's, it's this meme. It's like, yeah, you ever it's, feel more worthless uh, than the guy? Like, it's, this, it's someone that's, like, like a marine, off. Yeah, marine marine thing. mopping the street. Well, it's pouring down rain. You know what, though? My Mexican <laughs> grandmother used to sweep our, like, dirt driveway. And I don't know why, but she did. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta keep it clean, man. I have can't, no idea. She, can't have any excess dirt on the dirt yeah. driveway. I think it's just, so like, one of those weird. things where, like, you feel like, like, you know, it's like Mexican culture, I guess, <clears> where you feel like you have to be doing something. And if there's nothing to do, you go sweep the dirt. Yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's that, but water in a mop. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I come back and they put me on extra duty. So there's a day where I'm like the only person in my barracks, except for the person working in the front desk and like my first sergeant in his office. And I'm sitting on a couch reading a magazine and this kid comes downstairs and all I hear is my last name. He just says Henneberger. And I look up, and this dude's, like, gushing blood from his arm. And, Fuck. like, gushing blood. And I yell at the guy at the front desk to get first sergeant. I take my, my like, uniform top off, and we wrapped his arm. Did he cut his wrist? Uh, he had cut his wrist yeah. twice. Um, and uh, we wrapped his arm well enough that, like, by the time the paramedics got there, he lived, you know? Um, but then, cause I was on extra duty, they made me clean it up. Like the dude who just got back from fucking a psych facility for 30 days, they made me clean it up. And, uh, I 
had already like told a lot of my friends and family about the shit going on there. And so when I went to his barracks room, there were like straight razors with blood on the ground, blood splattered on the walls, like fucking seen from the second you cut it, man. It's fucking um, yeah. Spraying. Uh, sorry, you guys are gonna have to put some like warning at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little bit. I'll tell you. I'll um, tell you another story after. Uh, um, <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, like I had to throw his mattress out because it was like soaked. Um, but I was cleaning it up, so it's like I'm like, well, it's not a crime scene anymore. So I like took pictures of it and put them on my Facebook, um, peak, to like <laughs> show, but privately to like my friends and family, only my friends and family on Facebook, and. To say, like, look, I've told you guys how bad it is here. Now I'm showing you. Like, I know this is training school, so you probably think I'm not in fucking Afghanistan. So how bad could it be? But yeah. This is how bad it is. This fucking dude just tried to kill himself here. And and uh, immediately, within, like, 12 hours, the entire Fort, like, Fort Meade, the command of Fort Meade found out about it. Yeah. Um, and it's it how got Facebook back. works. Yeah. Well, but this is <laughs> 2000. No, 2009. Well, I mean, yeah, it's how Facebook works. <laughs> but um, what I heard was one of my friends like called Fort Meade and like spoke to a public affairs officer and was like, "What the fuck is going on over there?" Oh like, my shit! This, which is fine, good. Like, I'm not mad about that because um, that was my point. It's like this shit's like that's not the first kid who tried to kill himself here. That's not the only kid who might kill himself here. This is happening a lot, and I told my first sergeant that before. But was it? Was it like that bad of conditions or was we it just, just had like shitty leaders? We had shitty sergeants who were really just pieces of shit. Yeah. And, um, and treated people with any kind of problems like pieces, of, like treated us like pieces of shit. So like they're, you know, you're in jail and they're your, yeah, you know, they're your pretty much. security yeah. guard. And Not so this, guard. this dude who like cut his wrist as when he got out of the army, like started transitioning to become a woman. Because uh, he was trans. Yeah. Um, and that was something that, like, nobody knew then. And, I mean, he knew, but we, we didn't know. probably getting fucked And with. so it was something that you, he was, like, holding in. But also, like, had his own mental health things that he had just gotten back from a psych ward. And my sergeant was, like, treating him like shit. Like, making him leave his room when he really didn't have to. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he, we talked since we both got out and he said it was because of my sergeant, my, our sergeant that he did it. Um, it's so fucked. But when my commander found out, I know it's a, a long story to get to this, but when my <laughs> commander found out that I took pictures, um, he had the first sergeant talk to me and he was like, I need you to go get your camera and I want to watch you erase those pictures. And I, to I told him, I was like, I don't think I have to do that. Like, that's my private property. And I know that, and I, because I knew like the, the UCMJ mm, like, yeah. military law, which everybody hates those fucking military guys who, who learn the, learn your rights. You know? <laughs> it's the worst thing you can do when you're in the military. Um, and the commander heard from across the, captain heard from across the hall and he was like, Fucking Hatterberger, you go get that fucking camera and bring it here right fucking now. I want to watch you fucking erase those pictures. Jesus. And I was like, okay. And I just like went up and I texted one of my buddies to like download the pictures from Facebook. And he was like, they're already gone. Like Facebook had erased them. But my, my, I, my Mac backed them up. So I still have them. Oh. Um, and that's something I write about in the book too. 
Rock Bottom at the Renaissance, available in April. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please plug it. We're not plugging it, and I um, feel like we should be. But it's something that I write about, too, that that's like such an important story to me that I really know I need to tell. Is that whole story in the book? No, no, that story is not. But the whole army experience yeah, of that, I, I that is something that's like a whole other book for me. But it's so important that I want to get it right that like that scares me to do it because it's so important like this book was. Uh, but I, I want to do it. And um, I mean, fuck the military, man. Like, And I say that like, sure, a good like 80% of military people might think I'm a piece of shit or a pussy for but your experience wasn't good but i mean but yeah no and i say that all the time too like it's great for plenty of people it just wasn't it's like religion yeah exactly um but for the kids who are cutting their wrists or cutting themselves or fucking getting close to overdosing on drugs those that's who i'm looking out for now because nobody in the military is looking out for them so i'm gonna go back to it you're do you think you writing a book was just a you know, you thought your life was interesting or do you think that you had something to offer? Yeah. Well this, this, cause I, 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 did, yeah. I think you have something to offer. I think yeah. that you, you really care about people and you care about like mental health. I've come to you many times with my problems and you always give a shit. And, um, I think why you wrote the book was for everybody else in the world. But yeah, that's, that's how I, how I feel. And I say it in the book too, that like, I feel like what's kept me from killing myself is having this like writer's ego of like what <laughs> I have to say is important. Um, and, and I mean, that's kind of like a, you know, superficial weird way of looking at it, but it has become that there was a point like when I was younger where like, and when I like played in bands or whatever, I didn't look at it that way. But as I've gotten older and as I've experienced these things, you know, just with zero platoon and even going out with like Rocky Votolato on that, that tour Dude. that I did after going out with you guys, that was like a six week tour and people were coming up to me all over the country who were in the military and had dealt with this stuff. And, and yeah, like that's all I, all I want. And like, I've, I've like, I don't care about like the money of, of this stuff. Like I'm going to put most of the money of this from this book back into zero platoon so I can take bands out to play for these people, you know? Yeah. Dude, um, we have, I, I should do that too. I haven't done that yet. Um, I I can do that. But uh yeah, man, especially around here, it's like there's Walter Reed and like fucking those people would love that shit. And that's 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 you know, another reason I did is because like there's the USO and the USO takes bands to bases, but it's like Toby Keith and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like there's eighteen year olds killing themselves. <laughs> that don't resonate with Toby Keith. Yeah, exactly. And there there's dude, when I was in basic training, this eighteen year old um who used to piss his bed all the time, uh, he would sing, like his mom sent him a letter with Toby Keith's uh, fucking boot uh, up your ass, that's the dude, American way. Yeah. And he would Brought lay in bed. Brought to you courtesy. He would lay in bed singing <laughs> Toby Keith, like reading the lyrics. Like um, a hymn? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, man, it's fucking weird, dude. There's some weirdness going on. That I mean... I feel like the military is like very associated with the country music world culture, yeah. but yeah, and Playboy models. <laughs> <laughs> but every USO tour has a Playboy model. Really? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. I'll be um, a Playboy Playboy model. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so this is the the to 
Answer your question. <laughs> no, I don't have my GI Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> to nice answer the class. question you asked 20 minutes ago. I, I almost forgot. Yeah, we get very it. off topic um, here. So because I got my commander in trouble, um, he changed my discharge from an honorable discharge. Uh, my commander, Captain Paul Allen, um, he uh, changed my discharge from a honorable discharge to a general discharge, which is not bad. Um, but the only thing I didn't get was my GI Bill. Okay. Um, fortunately enough for me, and to quote him, he said, uh, Henneberger, I don't think you deserve a goddamn thing. So... Uh, but that was the worst he could do to me because to get like a, a, a dishonorable discharge, you really have to like commit a felony. Um, and so uh, that was the worst he could do to me. Fortunately, I enlisted in Texas and in Texas, there's a thing called the Hazelwood Act that pays for your tuition and fees in college if you enlisted in Texas. Okay. So I was able to finish college um, through that. Um, but I have like my VA benefits and stuff. So that's what keeps me healthy now. My, I I want, good shrink there. I want to get in the Screen Actors Guild to get health insurance. Do they have health insurance? In yeah, if you're in SAG. You have, to, you have to work a certain amount, though. I was I'll in work. the Screen Actors Guild for a minute and when I lived in L.A. For like, well, actually for like four years because I kept paying the dues just so I could vote for the SAG Awards. How uh, do you get dude, yeah, you, Do you still get those DVDs? I, for, I, you uh, know what? I, I get them from the TV Academy for Emmy nominations, but this year they're stopping the DVDs. Because for the last three years, people have been like, nobody watches DVDs. Yeah, the Quit girl I'm seeing us, just sending us these fucking gets DVDs. Like, so I still have what are they gonna do? Do they gonna are they gonna Flash do like drives? a digital thing though? Digital, yeah, mostly. Because all of them for the last two three years, they would send DVDs with a digital card to be like, go to Bravo.com. But cool. they all have like a number that runs across the screen that. Sometimes, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't think any of the ones you gave me had. They'll, they'll, or they'll like they don't have a number. They're I stole not like a bunch of them they're from. not like personalized, but they'll be like, "This is this copy is made for your consideration only." Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't like say my name on it. Okay. Um, but it, but you'll get like the occasional like text pop up on there, and right. some people get bothered by that. But I don't know. sorry, the the lady I'm seeing is asking me to book a hotel. Oh, you don't have a hotel booked yet? No, but I have all these points that are going to expire soon, so I have to, to book it up. <laughs> I don't handle my hotel bookings. I let the girlfriend do that. Well, she's going to book it, but she was like, what's your, you know, what's your... Oh, the gr- my girlfriend has all the hotel points and stuff, so I just... Oh, I spent 2300 in the last year on hotels. 2300 That's not that much. Yeah, that's Boring. not that bad. Well, 21 nights. So I must have booked things other, you know, I don't know, other ways. Yeah, that's not that bad. Yeah, the next, I don't know, the next tour, we're going to probably ball out. Do it, man. That uh, our first gig is about to sell out. It's going to be awesome. Where's Boston. Uh, it's Boston at the Sinclair. It's you guys a fucking big venue. Right? Yeah. What are you falling asleep, bro? It's been a long day. I was up at 8 o'clock. I know. I got up at, I got up at 5. I get up at 5 now, man, because I'm trying to like... Trying to work out. I've been pretty good at working out too. I'm fucking losing any weight. I just stop eating. <laughs> it's, it's mostly diet. No, I know, and I'm pretty good about my diet right now. My I've diet. I've been pretty good about my Shit. diet for a while. Are you weighing yourself? Is that I, how you're? Doing I have it? been weighing myself, and I, I, I know I need to like do like a BMI kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, because muscle weighs more than fat. Because I've been lifting more. I used yeah. to do cardio a lot, and I, I, 
like that really just like kind of burns off the waterway and then get yeah. it back. Cardio is a scam. I see plenty of people with beer bellies running like countless yeah. miles. I know, and and that's the thing is that, like um, the thing is, is I have like 150 t-shirts and none of them fit anymore. That's all I care about. I don't care. I feel like I look fine. I don't care. But like none of my t-shirts fit except I bought this. I got a large, <laughs> no effect shirt because I'm like. I don't want to give in. I don't want to buy clothes so I can be fat. Oh, like, so you want to make sure. I'm medium when I'm at my normal. Like, I know I can be 180. I've I can't got... squeeze in a medium anymore, dude. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a getting large. fucking big. I'm also a big guy in general. Yeah. Like, I'm 6'1". Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this Pocono shirt. Because I went to the Poconos. Uh, Why yeah. is there a NASCAR driver on that? Because we went to NASCAR. AJ and I went to NASCAR. Oh, in Poconos? Yeah. No. They all uh, had us out and. It's already broke. Yeah, it's a little shatter. Yeah, AJ uh, Danger Summer played up at the Poconos and we went up there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't even know where that is. Uh, New York. You it's live there. <laughs> yeah. like New York is a big <laughs> ass state. Dude, and me, New York City is a very small part of me, it. Yeah, how are you? I thought, you know that song Panama? <laughs> By fucking Van, yeah. Van Halen, Panama. Yeah. I thought that that was about Panama City Beach, Florida. Really? <laughs> I mean, that makes sense because it's Van Halen. It makes sense. <laughs> and then we Panama went there. Panama City Beach was hot in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of I assume that it was fucking like really popping. Like, why would it be about Panama, the country, <laughs> the canal? Why would it be about the canal? Yeah, it's not about Florida. We went there and we went to a. <laughs> this is the part of the podcast I'll have to edit out again. But uh, yeah, we went to a uh, Coyote Ugly. Where everybody's dancing on the bar. Why do you have to edit that out? No, I didn't have to. There's a few other stories from that night. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say them. All right, you want to finish up? Yeah, we Feels can do like it. We finish I feel up. like you normally finish up, but we can finish up. Um, Mike, plug yourself everywhere, <laughs> anywhere. Plug myself. Yeah. Right, <laughs> nah. sure that porno? Yeah, yes. let's do it. <laughs> no, so where can um, where can everybody find you on Instagram, uh, Facebook? I told such Twitter. downer stories. Nobody's gonna want to follow me anywhere. They will. Let me tell you, rock bottom at the Renaissance is really made me cry this morning. You know how social media normally makes you feel crappy about yourself. That's this will make you feel good about yourself. Nah. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> nah I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I put uh, uplifting stuff on social media. It's, yeah, the book is heavy. Um, let me say one more thing before we cut off. Ben Lieber, who plays in the band called Head North and played drums on our last tour or last two tours, he texted me about the book. He was like, "Have you read it yet?" I was like, "No, nah, I'm not finished it." He was like, "It's amazing." Like, and that made me. He to me, he's a great critic because he's such an artsy guy. Yeah. Like, you know, he reads a lot. <laughs> But, uh, Why'd you look at me when you said that? I read a lot. Eh. But <laughs> yeah, he like that made me relook at what you were doing, and now I'm realizing it's fucking awesome, cool, and man. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I shouldn't be. And, and, you know. I, I forget what, <laughs> it, it wasn't the the tour that I that you guys played Rough Trade, but the the tour we all hung out in Brooklyn with Ben. Yeah, the Danger Summer one. That's where you gave AJ the book for the first time. Now I gave AJ the book the first time on a tour you weren't before the Have Mercy Danger Summer. No, no, no. Didn't you give like, him the I book? Like I gave him like a draft of it. 
Yeah, the same one I have. It was no, no. I didn't give it. You to ain't him. special, I didn't bro. Give it to him on the Dangerous Summer Tour. I have mercy, Dangerous. I summer fucked tour. up. I gave it to him I on the him. the last tour. Dangerous Summer came through. Uh, oh, that but, was with uh, who was that with? We saw him. Ben Camino, probably. No. No, no. state champs and. No, not that one either. Nope. We're all like we're all fucking wrong. wrong. Wait, Dangerous Summer toured with the band Camino. I know that's what I said. They too, brought him. Told me that. Well, their first what? Tour. Like know, their first year. Yeah, I'm fucking pissed tour. about this. I was pissed that I missed that too, and I told AJ that when he told me. They took him out. They were Bank Camino was one of three. No, it was when now I was the Bank Camino is huge. It was when yeah. I was doing my 37 bands in 37 days. So it was like, uh, damn, by uh, 37. Well, anyway, everybody has high praise in this book. Rock Bottom of the Renaissance is coming out in April, and I hope everybody picks it up. Yeah, so you could go. So I'm gonna make it easy. Um, my production company is called uh, Burger Media, but I also call it a burger joint. Like every production I make. So it's pretty dope. My Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, and my YouTube are all a burger joint. But burger is B E R G E R, like my last name Henneberger. So a burger joint. Um, and I'm I've decided to like put everything under that umbrella so you can find out about zero platoon um if you follow a burger joint you can find out about rock bottom at the renaissance if you follow a burger joint because renaissance is just too hard to spell even for me that's been writing it forever i think you got it uh, don't look at it <laughs> spell it spell renaissance without looking r-e-n-a-i-s-s-a-n-c-e Nice job. I had to look at I'm it a, to make sure you spelled it right because yeah, I can't even. I'm spell it. A, what they call a genius. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like drugs too much. Um, but yeah, so you can just follow a burger joint everywhere and find out about Zero Platoon. But look up Zero Platoon because there's some cool shit coming up. Uh, Vinny Caruana from Movie Life and I Am the Avalanche just did a shoot with me Fuck two yeah. days ago. So that shit's going up soon. Um, we got a video up with Derek Sanders from Mayday Parade. And we'll um, film something. Yeah. When I'm in, in New York, because yeah. I forgot my guitar. Cool. Um, <laughs> and then we got some stuff from Best X coming out later. Nice. Because uh, she played her single that's coming out in February, so I can't release it until that comes out. But yeah, so Zero Platoon and a burger joint. Fuck. Thank you guys cool. so much. Yeah, well, we haven't done anything but provide Johnny Walker and this terrible ginger beer. It's not good. Nah, <laughs> it's not good. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, until next time, we'll hang later. Whatever that noise was, it was fucking creepy. There's ice. Keeps your drinks cold. Bye. I need some of that for my next Johnny Walker. <laughs> and, uh,